You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Good morning, friends. It's so good to see you all here. Hello to those of you joining us online. We're so glad that you've joined us. My name is Nate. I'm part of the team here at Troy Kensington, and I am not ready for this cold weather that's coming. Are you? I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And speaking of Michigan winters, we're talking today about pain. We're in a series uh, called Bring It, where we're talking about the things that we can bring to Jesus. And this week, we're talking about the reality that we can bring to him our pain. Now, we all have pain stories. We have sort of maybe a, maybe a bad trip to the dentist. Maybe you fell off your bike, a sports injury. We all have pain stories. In fact, my, my favorite comedian, Brian Regan, talks about this. He says, never share your pain story, specifically never share your wisdom teeth story because somebody's always going to one-up you. So if you go to the dinner party and like, hey, I'm really in pain because I had, you know, two wisdom teeth pulled, someone's going to say, you know what, I had four pulled, they were all impacted, and you know what, I didn't even go to the dentist. My, my brother Randy just yanked them out with a pair of pliers. We all have pain stories. Some of them are funny. Um... Years ago, I was on a mountain biking trip out in Moab, Utah. I was 16 years old, my first time out west, my first time kind of on my own, and it was just amazing. I'm high on this plateau, biking in the desert. I can see the mountains off in the distance, and it's just a beautiful sight, and I'm just enjoying the mountain view, and I was not watching where I was going down the trail. I ended up going off the trail, hitting a rock, flying over my handlebars, and I landed right on top of a cactus. Ouch. The other day, I'm at Kroger with my kids, and there were these potted plants there, and there were some potted cactuses there, and my son, my 10-year-old son, for whatever reason, just reaches out and decides to grab one. I spent the next 15 minutes pulling little pickers out of his hand. Apparently, we have, our, my family has a problem with cactuses. I don't, we should never move to the desert. But we have these stories of pain. Some are laughable, and there are some stories of pain that we just, we can't laugh at. Right now, some dear friends in a hospital room in Texas who are with their two-year-old daughter watching her fight cancer. Your heart goes out to them. Heart bleeds. Maybe some of you are in circumstances like that. Maybe some of you who are joining us online can't be here because there's a pain story in your own life. Maybe you're walking with someone who is in pain. Pain happens, something that happens to all of us. Pain demands our attention. But pain also attracts God's compassion. We're going to learn that today through the story of a woman in the Gospels who dealt with pain, with chronic bleeding for 12 years and everything that went along with that. And this is a story of a woman who, through her disappointment, through her hopelessness, through her intense battle with pain, finally gets to Jesus and receives healing. And Carrie and Amy are going to come right now and they're going to introduce us to this woman through poetry and song. So let's take this in together. Something is terribly wrong within her. A long, slow bleeding of her heart and soul has been her constant companion for as long as she can remember. So many things she has tried to make the bleeding stop and to feel better even just for a moment. But the long line of solutions has failed her. And so here she stands worse off than she was before, desperately grasping for some sort of healing or wholeness. 
even just a glimmer of hope. Maybe Jesus, maybe he can heal the bleeding of her wounded heart. If I can just only get near enough to reach and touch him. And when she finally grasps for him, the bleeding stops. The wound is healed and the broken is made whole and relief streaks down her tear-stained cheeks. Freedom Finally, he turns and looks. His eyes meet hers. She just falls to her knees in fear and confusion. Daughter, he whispers to her heart and soul in indescribable intimacy in the middle of a crowded street. Go in peace as a smile forms on his lips because he knows that this is what she most deeply longs for. Be freed from your suffering. And indeed, she is. There is no more bleeding, no more grasping. 
only love. Pain makes us want to retreat into hiding. And as we're going to learn today, this woman comes out of hiding and finds herself in the presence of Jesus, who makes all the difference. And my prayer today for us is that we would have the same courage as this woman to come out of our hiding and bring our pain to Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we recognize today that you are above all, that you have the name that is above all names, that you have done everything possible for us to step into your presence, to receive your healing virtue in every area of our life. Lord, I pray that you would help us be aware of you today, and may you receive all the glory in Jesus' name, amen. Can you help me thank Amy and Carrie for that beautiful moment? That was beautiful. That was wonderful. Before we dive specifically into the text that talks about the story of this woman in the Gospel of Luke, we're going to take a minute to receive this morning's offering. So ushers, you can come down and serve us. One of the many things I love about this community is the way that, that you respond, the way that we respond when there is crisis all over the world. A few weeks ago, we were all in horror as we saw the events unfolding in the Middle East, and we, we came together as a community and said, we, we want to do something about this. And we have a, a global partner that's right in the West Bank, Emmanuel Church, that's serving and loving the people in Bethlehem and the West Bank. And we wanted to raise money to help them help the people on the ground. And here's what happened. We were able to raise $80,000 for Emmanuel Church in Bethlehem. That's amazing. And what that turns into is over 300 food packages for families that are in, in need there during this incredibly difficult time. 
It also turned into 750 displaced Christians in, in Gaza are able to have shelter, mattresses, and blankets. And these are people of both Jewish heritage and Palestinian heritage that are followers of Jesus who have been displaced. And Emmanuel Church is on the ground there helping them um, also with our support. So just, that's an amazing thing that we can celebrate today. But also, we, we serve people globally, but also we serve people right here at home. Last weekend, our awesome student ministries team took over 400 students up to Spring Hill Camp. And this is very near and dear to my heart because there, you're going to see a picture come up on the screen. My little girl, Rayma, my oldest daughter, was her first time going to uh, camp, to a, to a retreat, wild retreat. And she was able to connect with um, these girls. And so that's her there. And um, she was texting us the whole weekend just saying, Mom and Dad, I'm connecting with friends and I'm connecting with Jesus. And that's such a beautiful thing. And so that's part of, of what we're able to do because this community is so generous. So thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving. So today we're, we're going to talk about bringing our pain to Jesus. We've already been introduced to this woman who had an, a physical issue and she received healing from Jesus. Let's read about it in the Gospel of Luke. As you know, we've been journeying through the Gospel of Luke and we will be uh, until June. We're staying kind of in this Gospel to, hear, to really let this saturate us. And we find this story in Luke chapter 8 starting in verse 30. And this is what it says. It says, when Jesus returned to Galilee, the crowds were overjoyed, for they had been waiting for him to arrive. Just then, a man named Jairus, the leader of a local Jewish congregation, fell before Jesus' feet. He desperately begged him to come and heal his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, because she was at the point of death. As Jesus started to go with him to his home to see her, a large crowd surrounded him. In the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered greatly for 12 years from slow bleeding. Even though she had spent all that she had on healers, she was still suffering. Pressing in through the crowd, she came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his garment. Instantly, her bleeding stopped and she was healed. Jesus suddenly stopped and said to his disciples, someone touched me, who was it? While they all denied it, Peter pointed out, Master, everyone is touching you trying to get close to you. The crowds are so thick, we can't walk through all these people without being jostled. Jesus replied, yes, but I felt power search through me. Someone touched me to be healed, and they received their healing. When the woman realized she couldn't hide any longer, she came and fell trembling at Jesus' feet before the entire crowd. She declared, I was desperate to touch you, Jesus, for I knew that if I could just touch even the fringe of your garments, I would be healed. Jesus responded, beloved daughter, your faith in me released your healing. You may go in peace. What a beautiful passage of scripture that shows us a little bit of the nature of pain and shows us the nature of God. There's so much happening in this scripture. I want to point out first that Jesus is on his way. He's interrupted by a religious leader, some, an upstanding citizen, someone who has dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's, someone who was probably wealthy and influential. We found out he was dealing with pain. His little girl was, was sick and in need of healing. If you were here last week, our good friend Steve Norman was here. He talked a little bit about this story. And so while Jesus is going to deal with a situation of pain, another situation interrupts him where a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, touches the hem of his garment. Now, 
something about this woman we need to understand is that pain is this whole woman's life. Pain is this whole woman's life. Scripture says that she's constantly bleeding for 12 years. There's the physical pain of just losing blood every day, of waking up every morning in in a pool of your own blood, realizing another day has come that you have to deal with the pain. Scripture says that she also spent all her money, so she's completely broke. She's likely homeless. And then in that culture, in the ancient world, and the cultural and religious rules said that if a woman was bleeding, she was not allowed to be around people. She was not allowed to touch people because then those people would become unclean. So imagine for 12 years, she's completely alone. She has no chance of relationship. All of her friendships have been taken away. She has no money. She's living on the street. She is dealing with physical, emotional, spiritual trauma and pain. See, when we have pain in our lives, it demands our attention. Pain is the only thing this woman has to look forward to every morning. And every night when she lays her head down, pain is the only expectation. Because pain demands our attention. When pain comes up in our lives, things cannot go on as they are. If you're walking along and you fall down and break your leg, you are not able to keep Walking, the pain in your body will demand that you stop and deal with the situation. That's what pain is there for. So we can deal with what is broken. But too many times in our current pace of life, we don't stop and tend to pain, especially if it's emotional or spiritual pain. We're walking around barely functioning, and the broken places of our life are screaming to be attended to, but we just keep moving. My friend Craig McGlasson, who's also the pastor at our Orion campus, he went to a, on a mountain biking trip this fall out, out west, and he came back with a cast on his arm. Oh, I said, Craig, what happened? And he said, I'm going down the mountain. I fly over my handlebars. I, I kind of dust myself off and get back on my bike and start riding. And as I'm going along, the pain in my right hand begins to increase, increase, increase until no longer I can even not even stand it. I get to the end of the trail and I look at my hand and I realize it's broken. But that's what we do. We, we have pain in our lives, trauma in our lives, and we just get on the bike and we keep going because we've got to keep moving And here's the sad reality. We tend to do this most often here at church. This is the place that we we think or hope would be a place that people could bring their pain, but we have the Sunday morning smile. We all show up with our big smiles on and stick our hands out. How are you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. And this is the one place that we should be able to bring our pain, but so often we come and we hide our pain. Maybe, maybe you're watching online today or you're here in the room and it's actually hard for you to be here because you have pain in your life because of a church. Maybe a church leader has hurt you or a church person or maybe the organization of a church has hurt you somehow, maybe even this church. And if that's true about you, I I just want to stand here and say I'm sorry you had that experience. But church is the one place that that you would think we could just bring our pain, and so often it's not. And I'm not suggesting that we come in and just always act like we're in the molly grubs if if that's not true about us, but it is a place that I hope we could bring our pain and bring our real self to to find healing. There's a quote from uh, C.S. Lewis, who's an author, 
He says this about pain. He says, pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks to us in our consciences, but he shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world because pain demands we pay attention. So years ago when I was a young adult, I had a job as a construction worker. And I, one of my jobs was, among many things, was to operate the heavy machinery. And I know some of you guys see me wearing skinny jeans and playing guitar, and you think that guy's never had a real job in his life. But I promise you, I once had a job where I wore Carhartts, and I had to operate heavy machinery. So hey, got my man car back. Not that, not that it's only men that operate heavy machinery. I know there's ladies that do it too, and that's awesome. But here I am on this construction site one day, it's in the middle of winter, and there was a plumber there, I'll, still, I'll never forget him, he's about six and a half feet tall, and as soon as I got on the construction site, all the other workers said, stay away from this guy. He is so vulgar, he is beyond vulgar, you don't even want to be around him. And we're talking a construction site here. Like vulgarity is like the baseline, okay? And, he's, and, and I just, that comes into the story later, but they just say he's so vulgar, he was always alone, nobody wanted to be around him. And one day, I'm, I'm on the job site, it was wintertime, it was ice everywhere, and he comes walking up, I'll never forget the image, he's holding his elbow like this, and his face is just completely white. And he walks up to me and says, I slipped on the ice, I landed right on my elbow, I've broken my arm, I cannot move it, and I'm in incredible pain, can you please go get some ice for me? He demanded that I stop what I do and get him help, because pain demands our attention. But pain also attracts God's compassion. Pain attracts God's compassion. The other day I was outside in the front yard, working on the yard, and my little girl, my six-year-old, was on a scooter going on the sidewalk, and she was going back and forth in front of the house, and at one point, she hit like a, a, a pothole or something in the sidewalk. She falls off of her scooter, and she skins her knees, and she's laying on the sidewalk, crying and bleeding, Daddy, help me. And I said, Jade, just hold on a minute. I got to get a cup of coffee first, and I'll be with you in a few minutes. No, I didn't do that. You know what I did. I stopped what I was doing and I ran to her out of compassion. It's the same way. God, we see over and over again how God moves towards human pain and suffering. So many times in scripture we see that Jesus heals people, steps into human pain because he's moved with compassion. When a leper comes up to him in scripture, we don't see him rolling his eyes like, oh, not again. No. He's moved with compassion. He releases healing to them. And there's so many examples, but here's one that stuck out to me this week. And this is an image of Jesus. He's on a mountainside overlooking the city of Jerusalem. And you, you hear a heart cry of pain, of compassion coming out of him. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks and under her wings, but you were not willing. You hear that cry from the heart of Jesus, that compassion as he looks over a city that he loves. Even recognizing, you know what, they've done some really dumb things. They've stoned prophets. They, re they constantly reject the message of God, and yet I still love them, and yet I'm still drawn to them. To me, that's a beautiful image of, of Jesus weeping over a city as we're barraged with images of war-torn cities in our world today. Families being ripped apart. Violence 
in the streets. And, and it's the same thing today. Jesus is weeping with compassion over our cities. I love that image. That God himself understands pain. He's, he's a Human pain attracts God because he himself understands pain. This is one of the many beautiful things about the reality of the incarnation, this reality that God came down from heaven and wrapped flesh around himself, became fully man, became a, a full human being with a full range of emotions, with all of the experience, all the human experience, including pain. He experienced it and understands it. Over 800 years before Jesus would ever come on the scene, the prophet Isaiah talked about this. He wrote this about Jesus. He said, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. He was a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. One translation says that he was, this translation says he was familiar with pain. One translation says he's well acquainted with suffering. Jesus understands, he feels the pain of every foster child that's been ripped out of her home and put into a strange bed. He knows the groan of a parent that's lost a child. He can feel the hurt of every man or woman that has been betrayed by their spouse. Jesus feels it all. He's attracted to human suffering. And here's the reality about pain. Pain has to go somewhere. We will bring our pain somewhere. For some of us, it means that we'll bring it to an addiction, maybe a compulsive purchase, a codependent relationship. We look for relief at the end of a bottle. Maybe it's as simple as just we try to find relief binge-watching our favorite Netflix show and eating a whole pack of Oreos. I may have done that once or twice in my life. But our pain will go somewhere. We will bring, as human beings, we will bring our pain somewhere. But ultimately, those things that I named and so many more things are just band-aids. And they're ineffective ones at that. They, they often add to the pain rather than bringing relief. And here at, at Kensington, there's, there's different ways that we can, can deal with pain. And I want to talk to you about, the, about these ways for a minute and our, our care initiatives. There's a ministry called Celebrate Recovery that meets on Monday nights. It's a 12-step recovery program for any kind of addiction. Now, when I first heard about Celebrate Recovery, I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not addicted to drugs or alcohol. It is not just for those that are addicted to drugs, alcohol, or porn. It is for people that are dealing with any kind of life-controlling thing. It could be a codependent relationship. It could be just a sense of dread that you can't get over. It could be many things, but this is a place where you can gather with other people and journey together through the things that cause pain and see some victory and see some overcoming. Celebrate Recovery has had an impact on my life. The last church that I was at, I was pretty involved in that, and that has had a lasting impact on my life and on people that were around me. There's also other things you can jump into. There's divorce recovery. There's grief recovery. All these places where there's pain, where we want to bring our pain somewhere. This is a place, a healthy place, to bring it and be in community with people. You can, if you're interested in any of those things, I want to encourage you to jump onto the website or they'll also be out in the lobby today and you can talk to someone about all these things. But pain has to go somewhere. We're going to bring our pain somewhere, so why not bring it 
to Jesus. That's what this woman in our story ultimately did. She's already tried all the other things with no success, so she brings her pain to Jesus through a mountain of roadblocks. She's got to fight through repeated disappointment. She spent all her money on doctors, pushing past feelings of rejection. Can I really do this, she must think to herself. Here's Jesus meeting a very important person, a wealthy, religious individual. He's going to help him. I should just leave him alone. She's got to fight through all of the hopelessness of ongoing years, 12 years of being alone in her pain, and she brings it to Jesus. Why does she do this? Because she simply believed. It was simple faith in the person of Jesus, and that's why she brought her pain to him. And I find it interesting here that she, we read in Scripture that she pushes through the crowd and she grabs the, the fringe of Jesus' garment. See, other, other places in Scripture, we, we see people crying out to be healed. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. He answers. Some people don't even ask to be healed. Jesus just walks up to them and heals them. In some places, friends bring friends to get healed. In this situation, this is the first time we see someone reaching out and actually touching the clothes of Jesus. This is, this is strange. It's odd. What's she doing here? Well, she's doing something very specific. And many Bible scholars believe it's because she believed in a prophecy about Jesus that had been given hundreds of years before. We find the prophecy in the book of Malachi. This is what Malachi said, prophesying about who Jesus would be. He says, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And this is a euphemism. The word wings in Hebrew is the Hebrew word kanaf. And it translates wings, but it also is the same word that translates tassels, specifically the tassels that would hang on the edge of an outer garment, a prayer garment that a rabbi would wear. And it is certain that Jesus would have been wearing this garment as he walked through the town that day. So this woman stepped out in faith on an old prophecy, believing that if she could just reach out and touch that tassel at the fringe of his garment, at the hem of his robe, then she would be, be healed. What is she saying? She's saying, I believe that Jesus is who he says that he is, that he is the Messiah. And at this point in the story, Jesus asks seemingly a, a strange question, maybe even like a, seemingly a foolish question. He, he looks around and he says, who touched me? Who touched me? And Peter speaks out. He's a, one of the friends of Jesus, and he's the one that's brave enough to point out the obvious Jesus. There's hundreds of people here. They're all crowding on, in on you. Jesus, literally everybody's touching you. Who do you mean who touched me? Jesus knew who touched him. But he wanted the crowd to know. He wanted those around him to understand that this woman that you have ostracized, this woman that you consider unclean, this woman that you won't go near because you're afraid of becoming unclean yourself, she has touched me, and guess what? I haven't become unclean. She has become clean. Through her life, she would have had to, according to the law and the custom of that day, because she was constantly bleeding, through her entire life she would have had to walk around the public square screaming out, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, giving warning to everyone around her that she was not worthy to, become, to come near. And if she were to reach out and to touch a rabbi during that time, she did so at great peril to her own life because it was against the law to make 
a religious leader unclean. So what she does is very risky. She climbs through the crowd. She reaches through, risking this rabbi. If this rabbi was merely a man, if he wasn't Messiah, she would touch him and he would become ceremoniously unclean. He would have to stop his ministry for several days, go through all the purification rites and the, the things that the law demanded of people who were unclean. But here's the reality. He wasn't just a rabbi. He wasn't just a man. This was the Messiah, the Son of God. And when she touched him, he did not become unclean. Virtue came out of him into her and she became clean. By her act of faith, what is she saying? She's saying, I believe in Jesus. So this plumber, six and a half foot tall plumber with the broken arm, he comes up to me and says, I need help. So I walk to the trailer to get ice and as I'm walking, I just sense inside of me something, the voice of God, the Holy Spirit, just this, this phrase, if you pray for him, I will heal him. And here's what you need to understand about this time of my life. I was not living a very good Christian life at this time. I was not praying every day. I was barely reading my Bible. I was working 70 hours a week. All I had time for was to work, eat, and sleep. That's it. I wasn't, I wasn't a good Christian at this time. And so that was my first reaction to this voice that was inside of me. If you pray for him, I'll heal him. I thought, no, I'm not... I'm, I'm not, that's not me. I'm just a construction worker. I'm not some pastor. I'm not some healing evangelist. No, that can't be God. But that phrase kept coming, if you pray for him, I'll heal him. If you pray for him, I'll heal him. And then the second thought pops in my head, this guy's one of the most vulgar men I have ever been around. Nobody wants to be around him. God, could you really want to heal him? Does he even deserve it? If you pray for him, I'll heal him. If you pray for him, I'll heal him. And I'm super awkward, and I go back, and I just look at him, and I'm like, hey, man, listen, uh, uh, do you mind if I, like, pray for you? And he's like, sure. So I gently touch his arm, and the prayer went something like this. It was really eloquent and amazing. It was so eloquent. I was like, um, God, please heal this guy. Amen. That was it. He went, home, he went to the emergency room. He said, I'm heading to the emergency room. I went home. I didn't think anything of it. I literally didn't give it another thought. I fully expected him to come back in a few days with a big cast on his arm. I had zero faith. None. Zippo. So that, I didn't think about it. Next day, I'm, I'm back at the construction site warming up my big heavy machinery, and I'm sitting there, and I look across the site about 200 yards away. I'll never forget. I see his truck, and I see this man standing outside his truck, and he's waving at me like this. And he runs to his truck, he jumps in, I remember he peels out, and he comes driving across the construction site, pulls up right next to me, he goes, the strangest thing happened. So I started going to the emergency room, and as I'm driving, I'm in incredible pain, all of a sudden my, my arm becomes very warm, like hot. And I realize the pain is leaving, and I begin to move it, and I realize I'm, I, I'm feeling better. And I go to the emergency room, and they say, you have no sign of trauma at all. And I realize, and he said this, look at me, he said, your God healed my arm. Now, here's the reality. I share this story with you to say, I, was not, I had zero faith. I was not reading my Bible every day. I was not praying every day. I was not in some big discipleship program. I was a construction worker doing my best to survive. Healing comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. He is the healer. 
Now, we don't always know why healing doesn't happen instantaneously. Because I know in a room like this and watching online, undoubtedly there's people that are saying, I've been in pain. I've been sick. I have cancer. My kid has cancer. My friend has cancer. We're praying. Nothing's happening. I don't know why we don't see the answer right away, but I do know this. We do know this from Scripture and from experience. Jesus Christ is a healer. And ultimately, the promise of Christ being with us in our pain might even be a better answer than the healing itself. See, listen, this woman didn't just believe in healing. Scripture said that she paid lots of money for healers to heal her and nothing happened. See, she didn't just believe in healing, she believed in the healer. You believe in healing, Nate? Yes, I do. But even more so, I believe in the healer. You believe in miracles, Nate? Yes, I do. But even more so, I believe in the miracle worker. See, Jesus did not simply heal a woman in need. He changed the rules at this moment. Not only did he give a woman from the margin center stage and honor her in front of even the religious elite, he made it known that God did not just come from the right for the righteous, those that have it all together. Thank God. The rich, the famous, the privileged, he'll stop in his tracks for a vulgar plumber. He'll stop in his tracks for the outcast. He'll stop in his tracks for the broken and the hurting because that is who he is. And maybe the encouragement today is not so much bring your pain to Jesus, but let your pain bring you to Jesus. Because that's what happens. When we experience pain, we're going to bring it somewhere. Let our pain bring us to the feet of Jesus. That's what it happened for this woman. So many times, too, faith. Faith is simply taking the first step. Faith is simply taking the first step. Could you put yourself in the place of this woman? You've been bleeding for 12 years. You have no relationships. No one has touched you for 12 years. You've not touched another human being for 12 years. You have lived ostracized. You're impoverished. You're probably homeless. You're a, you're a woman in the first century with absolutely no agency. You've been pushed aside to the corners to be forgotten. And yet there's a glimmer of hope inside of you. Maybe this Jesus is the Messiah, and you take your first step. And there's a mountain of insecurity coming against you. You think, there's no way I can do this. He's an important rabbi. He's going to another important religious leader's house. I cannot interrupt, but you take your first step because you've got to get to Jesus. Your only hope for healing is just to get to him and you take your first step and then maybe the next thought hits your mind. You think, well, what, 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 if, what will people think of me? See, I imagine her on, down on her hands and knees because it says she touched the bottom of his garments. I imagine there's all these people pressing in and she's having to make her way through, pushing past people's legs. What would people think of me? You know, I'm one of those people, those problematics, those addicts, those people that hold the signs in the street corners that we pretend not to look at. I'm one of those people. What are they going to think about me? But I imagine the closer and closer she gets to Jesus, she doesn't care anymore because she has to get to the healer. She has to get to the healer. See, the pain in our lives will eventually bring us to a place where we don't care what people think anymore. We've got to get to the healer. 
Because the reality is you, you, can, you can see me here on a well-lit stage preaching from the scripture and all this beautiful music around in this beautiful auditorium. But here's the thing, I am one of those people. 17 years old, depressed, suicidal, full of anxiety. I had to find a place for my pain and I met Jesus in January 6th of 1997 and he forever changed my life. And guess what? A hundreds and hundreds of times I had to come back to Jesus with my pain and say, I need your healing yet again. This is our story. I'm one of those people. You're one of those people. The person next to you is one of those people. We are all in this together. And can you hear the cry of God today? Just bring me your pain. Just bring it. Are you weary? Bring your pain. Are you addicted? Bring your pain. Are you embarrassed? Bring your pain. Are you tired? Just bring your pain. Bring it to me. This is the heart cry of Jesus. And this is what Jesus says to us in the words of Jesus himself from the Gospel of Matthew. This is what he's saying to us today, friends. This is what he's saying to those of you that are joining us online. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.